You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, we did get some coaching moves. I'm pretty excited about it. No reason in particular other than, hey, stuff's happening. New crews in town. Time to get fired up. Uh, Before we get into that, though, why don't we do a little bit of a roundup here? First of all, there's news that just broke. ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers are combining their sports rights to launch a new sports streaming service per the Wall Street Journal. The service will be available to all ESPN Plus, Hulu, and Max subscribers, and each company will own one-third of the product. be honest, I don't even know what that means. I mean, as a Hulu subscriber, I pay for Hulu and I get all the sports I want. So ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers are coming out like, guess what, guys? Great news. You're going to be able to get sports now. Bro, I have sport. What are you talking about? Unless you're saying I don't need like the 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 magical super expensive one, but I don't think you're saying that. So I don't know. I have no idea. As far as I know, I get this stuff. So uh, congrats to them for trying to figure out how to make money. I don't know. They they seem like they're really struggling to me. I mean, doesn't it the, the the constant shifting and changing? They're changing their their prices and they they change what they offer and then they take it away and then they come up with new packages and then they combine things and then they go under and then you know and there's a new streaming service every day there's peacock and freebie i just my my daughter was just like, oh i want to watch that i was like okay i clicked on it and popped up freebie I'm like, what the hell is freebie i don't even know what's going on here and uh voodoo and uh fubu fubo freaking i mean listen i don't i don't mind i i, I love this because at the end of the day it's is providing us with stuff, but they just seem like they can't figure it out. And there's so much just flailing around. Like, can you guys just freaking stop and just sit there so that we can use the stuff? But I don't know that they're still trying to figure that space out. It's growing and shrinking and expanding and blowing up. And then you get too big and then you got to combine because we're not able to keep up because the younger, smaller companies are coming in and doing all this stuff. And ugh. I just don't want to have to relearn it every I feel like an accountant. Like, you got to learn all the new tax laws. <laughs> I gotta, every year, like, I cancel my subscription, then I got to rebuy it. And it's like, oh, new. That, first of all, it's $40 more this year. And then we don't offer this anymore. But we have this package. Oh, my good Lord, dude. Just stop. Just stop. Stop what you're doing. Don't make me get Elon involved, bro. For real. Don't make me do it, because I will do it. 
X is going to have a streaming service pretty soon. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, his whole vision of X is like, it's, it's the everything website. So why wouldn't it have streaming on it? I'm just saying. I'm having a serious conundrum right now because I don't know what I covered yesterday. I'm, I'm just having an internal debate with myself where it's like, you didn't talk about coaches at all. And it's like, yes, you did. I don't know. I'm losing it, man. We'll just do a quick recap anyways once we get to that point. Um, Sao Paulo, Brazil. The Eagles officially will be going to Sao Paulo, Brazil. It'll be the first time ever. I've been on record saying that I want the Green Bay Packers to go to Brazil. I understand the idea of I don't like our team having to travel. It's extra strain and stress for no reason. Whatever. Um, I will generally agree with that for just about every country. But like I said, I, I have come to realize, I mean, you, you go on social media and it's like Green Bay Packers, Brazil. You go on Facebook and on Twitter, you see Brazil. It's, it seems so random. Like you would think Canada, Mexico, UK. I mean, there is UK. Brazil. I mean, I know Brazil's massive, but they're not the only massive country. I don't know. But I just always had this feeling, you know, maybe it's because the colors align or something. I don't know that Brazil is just a, a really big Packers place. So I, I want the Green Bay Packers to be the team for Brazil. Well, a couple things. Number one, the Packers do play the Eagles. We don't know who the opponent for the Eagles are going to be. We just know that the Eagles would be the home team. Okay. Well, I found this little ditty here. I should probably uh, translate it. All right. So the chart says in Portuguese, presumably, uh, fans of NFL teams in Brazil, according to official research carried out by NFL Brazil from June 5th to the 20th. So NFL Brazil, which, you know, for a portion of the NFL, whatever, found out what percentage of Brazilian football fans aligned with which teams. Well, the Eagles are relatively high on the list. They are the seventh most popular team in Brazil. They are four point. My eyes are not so good. I feel like an old man. 4.76%. For reference, uh, going through the rest of the NFC North, Vikings are 14th at 2.59%. The Bears are 19th at 1.14%. The Lions are 0.36%. They are 31st. Number one, the Green Bay Packers. 12.25% of Brazilian NFL fans are Packer fans. You know how Dallas is always talking about being America's team and everything, and, and granted, they have a massive fan base. They probably do have the most fans. I don't know. That's what the Packers are in Brazil, though. And I'm just saying, I like having Brazil in, I, I mean, fans across the world. But if we already have a hungry fan base out there and a lot of people willing to, or, or you know, sort of undecided, again, think about how Little Wayne became a Packers fan. It's because the Packers just happened to be in the Super Bowl where he lived, and so he had, like, Packers cups around his house. So he just became a Packer fan. This is an opportunity to dominate Brazil, which the Packers already do, but that they, they can just take that through the roof. Cause you know, the Eagles fan base, that's probably going to jump from seventh. Who knows how high? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just me. I like having a massive Green Bay Packers fan base, especially when you talk about worldwide. I just have this global domination thing in the back of my head. If I'm, if I'm running the Packers, I want every, every country around the world to be a Packers fan. I know in the UK, there's a lot of Packer fans. I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously they're pushing the Jaguars pretty hard. I don't know exactly where the Packers rank. I would guess it's in the top 10 somewhere, but I don't know about any other countries. I mean, Germany would make sense just because it's Wisconsin, but it's like Brazil's already there, man. They've already decided. They've already cast their vote. There's still a, there's a ton of Packer fans down there. And mm, I don't, I don't want to say most of them because that's far from true. 
the largest fan base is Packers. So I just, and it would be cool for them. I mean, they're not going to fly from Brazil to the NFL to, to watch a Packer game. I won't even drive two hours north to go to a Packer game. Give the people what they want. The rest of the top five, by the way, second is the 49ers, third is the Patriots, fourth is Kansas City, and fifth is the Seahawks. So the strongest argument against it would certainly be looking at the top five, obviously, at least to some degree. The greatest way to sell your franchise across the globe is to win. Still, I want it to be a thing. Also, interestingly enough, this game is going to take place, I think it's, uh, so it's week one on a Friday which I think is super cool. I mean, can you imagine opening up week one as a Packer fan and the Packers are there in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and the Eagles Eagles fans are technically the home team, but just seeing like Packers gear everywhere, loud, crazy fans cheering, bro, come on. And it's on Friday, it's going to be nationally televised. Like, man, I just think that'd be awesome. But the other thing to note, there must be a Saturday game. I don't know what it is. And maybe Andrew Brandt just misspoke, but According to Andrew Brandt, there's five straight games. So you got Thursday, then you have Friday in Brazil, Saturday, I don't know, college at least. Then you got Sunday and you got Monday. So let's call it four out of five with college unless Andrew Brandt knows about something on Saturday. I haven't been able to find anything about Saturday. So I'm guessing that won't happen, but it is it is my hope. Um, in another interesting development, Broncos defensive backs coach Christian Parker is expected to leave Denver and take a position on the Eagles staff per Dan Graziano. So the interesting part about that, as much as many of us were kind of banging the drum for Christian Parker, is that apparently he wasn't quite ready. I'm sure if there was a actual position open for him, as was rumored for the Green Bay Packers, he had a, an offer. Um, obviously, that wasn't the case. And it is also a little bit interesting that he is going to work with Fangio. Now, it's not super surprising. That is where a big portion of his knowledge base comes from some familiarity there with Fangio. But again, apparently um, Parker is not quite ready for that job. I'm sure he's going to get it soon enough. But that'll be, along with many, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Again, I I kind of talked about the Fangio defense and where that's at. It could, again, could just be a complete coincidence that every Fangio defense was just trash last year. But it'll be interesting to kind of track that, see how the Eagles are doing and some of these other teams that are still running that kind of a system. On top of that, also want to keep an eye on um, you know, Baltimore, as well as the Seattle Seahawks, who went that direction of, of going with the Baltimore guys, and then also Miami. So they've all gone sort of the Baltimore route. The Dolphins have Anthony Weaver now as their new defensive coordinator. So it'll just be interesting to keep an eye on everything. It'll be interesting to learn a little bit more about what we're doing. But again, I, I, I believe it's sort of 49ers, Jets-esque. I think Jets would be the best um, kind of estimation. So I, I don't know how many different defensive trees there are out there right now. It'd be interesting to kind of track that. In fact, I might actually do that because it just sounds like a fun little project. But obviously, Fangio is widespread throughout the NFL. You've got sort of the Patriots, which I don't, I don't know fully the difference between a lot of these because there's a lot that are very similar. But you got some Patriot stuff going on. Um, you got Sala 49ers. You got Baltimore. I'm trying to think what other prominent i don't know if there's like pet and stuff out there but again now you're starting to get real like i don't you know there's got to be a ton of overlap with a lot of these because you know i mean a lot of the guys for example the guy that we brought in has some pet and familiarities i don't know i'm curious about that but again it's just interesting to kind of track that same with offense right as offenses start to emerge you kind of take an eye i mean for a long time it was 
everybody that got hired was either from the Andy Reid tree or from the McVay tree. And now there's sort of like a defensive explosion, but it's not just coming from one place. There's like a couple that are sort of blowing up a little bit and it'll, I don't know. I have to keep an eye on that. I don't know if that would make for an interesting podcast to just read off 32 teams, but probably make a more interesting article, but I do podcasts, so we'll see. Not super interesting because it doesn't mean much, um, but obviously there's a ton of talk about pick one and what's going to happen. Are they going to stick with Justin Fields? Probably not. Are they going to trade the pick and go with the number two guy? You know, if they're if they're very interested in Drake May, you could happily probably trade the uh, pick to the number two Washington commander. A lot of their coaching staff right now has familiarity with Caleb Williams. I'm sure they'd love to have him. And so then you get a haul and you get Drake May or Jaden Daniel, whoever you want. But according to Adam Schefter, he just, he went on the Pat McAfee show and said, the belief around the NFL is that the Bears will draft Caleb Williams with the number one pick in the 2024 NFL draft. Quote, there are a few issues with this. Number one, are the Bears going to be willing to move on from taking Caleb Williams, which I believe seems to be the widespread consensus around the league, that Caleb Williams will be the number one pick. And if they are willing to move on from him, then you have to like Drake Mayer, Jaden Daniels enough, or Justin Fields. Continuing, but again, the feeling around the league seems to be that they'll wind up trading Justin. Whether or not they do, we'll see, but that seems to be the feeling. Schefter notes that it's early in the process, but he doesn't think the Bears like May or Daniels enough to move off of number one. He also notes that Caleb isn't working with an agent. Unlike John Elway or Eli Manning, Schefter says requesting to go to Washington, which he says NFL teams won't be stiff-armed by a prospect, is an intricate process that would require him to hire an agent. So I don't think it's going to come to any of that stuff. I, I tend to agree that the Bears are, are just going to trade Justin and take Caleb Williams. You don't screw with something like quarterback. You just don't. I mean, if, if you think Caleb Williams is better, but Drake May or and or Jaden Daniels could be fine, screw that. If it's if it's by 1%, you go Caleb Williams. And, and look, that's what you look at upside. I understand there's a lot of questions about Caleb Williams, and that's fair, and, and maybe he's going to be a bust. But I think the Packers have done a good job drafting for upside, and I don't know that we've seen a lot of guys with higher upside than Caleb Williams. But anyways, it's also worth noting that when he talks about the consensus around the league, that it's irrelevant. It's it's asking people's opinions, just like we could ask each other's opinions. This is not coming from anybody within Chicago, and he's not even claiming that. But I do think that that's what's going to happen. In terms of like best case, I mean, best case scenario, in my opinion, is that they keep Justin Fields. And I know they're going to get a haul and maybe year four or whatever is the year that he breaks out. I just don't think so. I don't think he's good enough. But I would love for that to happen, for them to trade back. Um, you know, they're going to end up getting some pieces, probably get a really talented wide receiver and, and something else. But I don't trust their ability to draft enough. So, yeah, that first pick might end up being a stud and that's going to suck. And we're going to have to deal with that for a while. But we've we've been through it. I mean, you know, DJ Moore is a good wide receiver. He was there last year. Who gives a crap? They had Khalil Mack on their team. They had, they had some real stuff. It doesn't freaking. It's still the Bears. Um, I'm not sure what my next favorite option is. Part of me wants them to trade away that pick, maybe to Washington, and then take somebody else, and to have Caleb Williams go on to be the next Pat Mahomes. Not that I really want that. I don't want another Pat Mahomes in the NFL. But it would just be glorious if he's, you know, a solid quarterback and then they pick somebody else. That sucks. But staying and picking is is positive because either way, we have to hope that the quarterback doesn't become good, whether it's Fields, Caleb Williams, or whoever. But at least this way, they're not going to get much for him. They're, they're going to get not very much for Justin Fields, and Bears fans are going to lose their mind because they probably many of them probably think he's worth at least a first. 
And again, from what I understand, they're probably getting like a third for him. I don't know. Might be more than that. We'll see. But for them to not get like a big haul and they just get their one pick and then it's Caleb Williams. And a lot of people have said, you know, this is a guy that needs to sit. So I would love it to come out of the gate. And granted, I want to be in Brazil for week one. But if it happens to be Chicago again, which honestly wouldn't surprise me because the NFL just insists on doing that kind of stuff, probably Detroit, to be honest, but whatever. It's going to be in Detroit week one, probably just just to be a freaking douche. But I would love to just get our defense all revved up. Just throwing every freaking thing you can at this young quarterback and just watch him crumble. And I hope that the Vikings do it, and I hope that the Lions do it, and I hope everybody does it. Just just makes this guy make some serious mistakes. And he has this couple of highlight throws, just like a classic Bears quarterback, where it's like, dude, you see that arm? That's crazy. But at the end of the day, the stats suck, the team suck, they lose, and um, continue believing for the next three years that he's going to be the guy. By the way, just a random thought before we move on, and, and maybe this is completely wrong and out of left field. As I have been pondering this style of defense, I can't help but feel like it's going to be really good against really bad teams and dangerous to try against really good teams. And I, I kind of, the more I think about it, it makes sense. I think Joe Barry's defense was kind of wired the other way. We would inexplicably lose to garbage teams. But yet we could handle the Chiefs when we get into the playoffs where we're keeping everybody down. Like they're able to do it. I remember watching that the quarterbacks thing on Netflix or whatever. And um, I forget who it was, 49ers or something, but they decided to get away from too high and kind of bring somebody down. I think they got a pick or something. And Pat Mahomes went to the sideline. He was excited because he's like, if you're going to do that crap and you're going to leave a single safety, I'm going to freaking rip you apart. So it's like, you know, the, the, the more Joe Barry too high defense, and, and again, I understand that wasn't every time, but I'm just saying conceptually, the way Joe Barry thinks is, we're not trying to confuse you necessarily. We're just trying to play it safe and take away our options, and hopefully we can make a good play here. It's not high risk. It's, it's the whole bend, don't break. Like I, Obviously, you're going to be able to win some, but we're just going to keep everything in front of us. We're going to try to stop you. We're going to get that sack. We're going to get that pick, that pass breakup, the mistake that you're going to make something, and we're going to get the ball back. I just wonder about uh, if we're going to see a little bit more predictable results where you go up against lesser teams and you beat the crap out of them and you go up against better teams and it's like, it's just, it's harder to, to, to confuse them. It's harder to show them something that they don't know how to handle. I don't know. Just, just, I'm just pondering. We'll see if the 49ers get the crap beat out of them when they go up against the Chiefs, which I expect that they will. And I'll be interested to see how they handle that. And again, that isn't to say that we can't be adaptable. You know, if, if being more aggressive against Pat Mahomes is just going to get you shot in the face, then maybe you back off a little bit. You know, you invest in the front so that the front can attack if you want to just bring those four and, and, you know, not bring the exotic blitzes and not mug the line of scrimmage, whatever. You know, we, we, can, we can make those adjustments. But just as I kind of thought through it, I just was wondering if maybe that was the case. But we'll find out. Maybe we'll all be missing Joe Barry by the end of this because... <laughs> We're doing a great job in the regular season, but in the postseason, we just can't get it done because the defense crumbles against good teams. I hope not. Anyways, let's take our first break. We'll come back and we'll start diving into this coaching situation, give you my thoughts on it, a little bit of an update that has happened, uh, some of the hires and whatnot, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. 
Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so if I'm not mistaken, we already covered the quarterback situation with Mannion coming in and that um, Tom Clements is not leaving. He will be staying on. That is all I know on the offensive side of things, I believe. And then on the defensive side, we've had two people, along with an analyst, but two people depart. Linebackers coach Kirk Olavadotti and long, 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 long time defensive line coach Jerry Montgomery will also not be returning. I believe he got a job with the New England Patriots. So I believe I covered that, at least uh, Montgomery. Obviously, I'm not super upset. I mean, Olavadotti, I, I can't say he did a terrible job. The linebackers are fine. I don't know that they necessarily progressed. Uh, again, the linebackers always seem better than they had been in Green Bay for a long time, but um, certainly things started to fall apart, and I'm not entirely sure why. But really, it's it's not even necessarily about that, I don't think. And, and this is kind of where the second part of this comes in. How do you feel about the guys that are staying? Um, you know, I had people tagging me about the fact that uh, Downard would be staying, uh, presumably as the, the DB coach and whatnot, and how angry I would be. I don't want to say it's not due to merit, but I really just think it has to do with Halfley wants guys in the building that are going to be able to help him um, bring his vision to life. Now, do I think Downer did a good job under Joe Barry growing our DBs and helping them understand things and all that? No, I do not. It was a complete freaking train wreck. So am I mad about it? I mean, I would have been more excited if somebody else was brought in. But ultimately, what I want is our defensive coordinator to be able to make these decisions. Now, I don't know if Matt LaFleur's fingers on the scale in one way or or another. I would guess that's not the case. But um, look, Downard has worked with Halfley. And Halfley, um, I think, feels confident that Downard can bridge the gap between, you know, having already been with the guys and understanding their strengths and weaknesses and all that kind of stuff and, and can easily kind of make this a seamless process in understanding what Halfley wants, which Downard already understands, at least to some degree. I'm sure there's some modernization and, and things that need to happen and, and they can collaborate and they can work together. And that's fine. So long as Halfley genuinely believes that he is the right guy for this job and that there is there are benefits to having a guy already in the building. Is he the best possible DB coach in the world? I doubt it. Could he have maybe found somebody more qualified to come in and do it? Maybe. I I, I would assume so, but I don't know. This isn't this isn't Joe Barry asking Downer to to teach these guys to do Joe Barry stuff. This is Halfley telling Downer to teach these guys to do Halfley stuff. And so um, we'll see. You know, the proof's in the pudding, and I think Downer's going to be a little bit handicapped, kind of like uh, Olavadotti was. Not handicapped is the wrong way to say it. He's going to be specially assisted because we got a defensive coordinator who is a DB guy. So it's entirely possible that Downard isn't the greatest in the world, but these guys end up thriving anyways because Halfley's kind of there making sure at the very least that part of it is is coming along fine. So as far as am I upset about guys that are returning, again, as long as the DC is doing everything he can to make sure that he's building the best possible crew, 
I will I will be fine with it. I just do not want a head coach or anybody else coming in and saying these people are off limits. And if that's happening, then I don't like it anymore. Now, if I'm being honest, the way that I would like for this to happen, because I, I wonder about the situation of, you know, you come in and it's like, okay, which of these guys do you want to fire? And it better be a good reason kind of thing. You know, I mean, you don't just fire somebody for nothing. So you, you need cause. Like if you, if you can work with Downard and you've worked with him before, then I would prefer you keep him kind of thing. I would rather you take everybody off the board and then you put a, a list of guys together and you rank them. And if Downard isn't number one, then you call somebody else. You call that guy that's number one and you see if they want to come out. And, and if you go through the list and, and nobody accepts it, then yeah, then, then he stays. But I want to start from scratch. I want to start from, there's nobody here. There's nobody in the building. Everybody's gone. Not, not literally. We didn't fire everybody and then try to hire them back. But just from a standpoint of building this defense, we're not coming from a standpoint of these guys are on staff. Do you want to fire them? No, nobody's here. Build your defensive staff. What does it look like? The perfect staff. And, and fully understanding that, you know, again, guys that are here and in the building and understand the way things work is, is a benefit and can help bridge the gap between Halfley and Lafleur and Halfley and the players and everybody understanding the scheme a little bit. That, that gets factored in. So I'm just hoping that that was the process, and I'm hoping that that's where they came to this conclusion. But with that were some announcements about those positions being filled, uh, the number one of which is Vince Ogabasi, I think is how you say his name. I'm not positive. It was funny, actually, when we went through and did the, you know, who are they going to hire? Vince Ogabasi was the guy that I said was going to come in and do the defensive line stuff. And then I also said, I forget, the linebacker guy, which hilariously, I thought Tom Silverstein was announcing that the guy I said was going to be the linebacker guy was the linebacker guy, but it sounds like he was just saying that it was a possibility or something. I don't know. We'll get to the linebacker guy in a minute. But anyways, Ogabasi was the one that I said was going to be there, and he was the first one off the board. He did end up coming in to be the defensive lines coach. And so we did talk about this guy already, but we'll go through it again. Uh, he was a football player back in 2010, Hartford Colonials, as well as the Washington Redskins. Uh, he was a practice squad guy only, I believe. But uh, just the very next year, he jumps right into coaching. He's a grad assistant at Duke for a couple years. Then he goes to Ohio State as a grad assistant, 2013-14-15. Then he's with the San Francisco 49ers in 2016 and 2017 as the assistant defensive line coach. Now, obviously, this is beneficial because, number one, again, this is kind of the scheme I think we're working with. So he's got an understanding of what the defensive line coaches do, do for the 49ers. Not to mention, there's overlap in 2016 between Halfley and Ogabasi. And I hope I'm saying his name right. I'm probably not Ogabase. I don't know. 2016, they were both there. So that's kind of how they initially got to know each other. So then after... Two years with um, San Francisco, he officially becomes a defensive line coach. So, I mean, again, fairly fast riser. He's a grad assistant. And then from grad assistant to 49ers assistant defensive line coach is pretty wild. He does that for two years, gets a D-line coach at UCLA, does that for two years, then is a defensive line coach for Boston College under Halfley from 2020 to 2023. And then he follows Halfley to Green Bay. The man is just 37 years old. He's He's... He was born uh, two months after I was. Freaking guy's two months younger than me. Just had his birthday recently. But, I mean, you talk about a fast riser and a talented guy. Um, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. He was a grad assistant. <laughs> now, interestingly enough, and this is kind of a weird situation, and I'm kind of surprised. I mean, Vince Ogabasi is a young guy, so we'll see how this goes. But um, per Tom Silverstein, Jason Rebrovich, who was our outside linebackers coach, will take on the defensive line role. 
So the guy's basically getting a promotion. I know 4-3 is a little bit different, but he went from just the edge rushers, just the outside linebackers, to the entire defensive line. So he is now Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary and the whole crew. And Ogabasi will be sort of his assistant. So it is a little bit interesting that he's, I, I wouldn't say he's taken a step, well, he's kind of a step back, I guess. He's weaving, right? So he was defensive line coach in college, and now he's assistant D-line coach in the NFL again with a very clear path to getting that defensive line coach, you know, in the NFL at some point in the near future. Obviously, that's his goal. But I was a little bit surprised to find out that Rebrovich was going to be taking over for the entire defensive line. But I don't think it's something that's necessarily unfamiliar with him. He's been doing D-line stuff for a lot of different teams for a long time, going all the way back to, jeez, uh, I mean, he was... Just just a quick recap on Rebrovich, this is, just so we can kind of get caught up. Obviously, we, we kind of know the name, but don't know a ton about him. Um, he was a defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, head strength and conditioning coach at Cortland for 2008 to 2010. He was the entire freaking team. Uh, he did the same thing at Ferris State, uh, D-line and head of strength and conditioning. But anyways, um, 2013, he cracked into the NFL as defensive quality control. First became a outside linebackers coach for the Bills in 2015, then was defensive line coach in 2016. He also was the defensive line coach for the Jaguars 2019 and 2020. So he's kind of been doing this for a while, outside linebackers and then defensive line. And then he was defensive line for the Jaguars, then he was outside linebackers for the Packers. Then he was pass rush specialist for the Packers, which probably means, to be honest, I should look this up. He was probably working with D-line anyways, because pass rush is the is everybody. I didn't really think about that. I just figured pass rush means pass rushers, which you think of as the outside linebackers. So kind of interesting. And it, it's it's a heck of a, a great position to be in to have a guy. I mean, this is similar to what I said about Halfley, where I think under different circumstances, Halfley would not consider this position. I think with the, the Packers are capitalizing on a little bit of uh, consternation, I guess, with the way that college football is playing out right now and uh, getting a guy to take a job that maybe he wouldn't have in different circumstances. And the same thing is kind of happening with Okabasi, where he's a really talented young guy, probably has the ability or talent to be a defensive line coach, but sees this as a great opportunity to follow a guy like Halfley, who knows him, likes him, respects him, and will happily either promote him or or will make sure that he is hired elsewhere to get that defensive line job. But to have sort of a guy of his caliber, as talented as, as Okabasi is, to sort of just be the number two. I mean, think about what we have on this defensive line right now. We have Rebrovich, who is our defensive line guy, and then we got Vince Ogabasi to be like our defensive line guy number two. So we have two guys dedicated to making sure that our defensive line kicks the living crap out of everybody. But anyways, it's always fun to kind of actually hear from the people and listen to them talk football a little bit, kind of just getting the getting the troops motivated. There isn't as much on Ogabasi as there is on uh, some of the other guys, but um, I'm just going to play this a little bit here. The question was about, essentially, how do you prepare your guys for mobile quarterbacks? This is uh, Ogabasi at Boston College. Yeah, so so one of the things is, is um, you know, we got to work on our, our angles to the quarterback and leveraging the quarterback. Some of it is uh, athleticism. Some of it is, is the technique on how you, how you contain them. And some of it is just right out beating your man uh, to get to the quarterback. 
Um, so we, we, we've had, we have answers for that. We've worked that quite a bit. And we've improved in that, keeping a good awareness of them, keeping them boxed in the pocket and leveraging them. That way we know where our help is coming from. That way we don't, he doesn't escape from us. You know, we got to leverage him uh, to, to our help. That's the biggest thing. Sometimes guys understand, okay, if you got a pressure coming from the, from the right side, you don't want to go inside of that. You want to trap him. You want to trap him to the left. That way you just, you just send him back to the pressure. So just understanding our leverage and where the help is at and to contain the quarterback was the biggest thing. And I, I like that answer because we've seen the Packers do that. And I'm sure everybody makes that mistake. But I, I've seen so many times, especially with our defensive linemen, where they start getting kind of wild with how wide they want to get to try to get around people. And it's like, bro, there is a huge gap there. And then sometimes everybody will kind of crash maybe to the inside and leave a huge gap to the outside. So there just isn't a good, in my opinion, sometimes a really good understanding by our defensive linemen of where, where what your parameters are to get to the quarterback. Like, first of all, you shouldn't be rushing to the inside. You should be rushing to the outside because there's there's nobody out there. Or, you know, if if you, you can't have both guys on the inside take a big looping pass rush to the outside, like the guy on the right goes way to the right and the guy on the left goes way to the left. Why? Because there's a huge gap now in the middle. Unless you got linebackers just hanging there, you can't be doing that. So um, there was a lot of that going on um, at times. It seemed like certain games, they would just start getting kind of wild and crazy. And it's like, you're just leaving these massive gaps and I don't know what the heck you're doing. So that's, I'm, and again, I'm sure that's something you need to see. He brought it up for a reason. Um, that's something you got to stress for everybody. They're just trying to get to the quarterback, but it's like, you, you got to understand the play call. You got to understand who's coming from where and uh, make sure that w- everybody isn't just going crazy and just leaving massive gaps out there. But just a couple details that I rounded up, kind of looking at what people are saying about him. Obviously, they a lot of talk about where he came from and just kind of the weaving through things, right? You, you meet with Halfley and Chip Kelly in the 49ers. You follow Chip Kelly to Duke, and then you follow Halfley over to uh, Boston College and then to the Packers. But a couple other notes. His coaching philosophy emphasizes energy and enthusiasm, believing it's crucial for a young staff and football team. This approach aims to permeate the entire organization with positive energy. Okabasi's defensive system preference is primarily four down front, aiming to create separa- uh, separation and havoc. Havoc? I think havoc. Reflecting his experience with the San Francisco 49ers and Ohio State. So that's all I got from that. Also, um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this either, but pass game coordinator Greg Williams also left. And that is worth noting because, again, there were a lot of issues on the back end, I don't know how much of that had to do with Greg Williams as opposed to Downard. I don't know what all that's about, but Greg Williams will be hitting the road, and so there's still a chance that there's going to be somebody to come in and fill that role. I don't exactly know what all the, the, the staff are going to be. Every staff is built differently, and some staff just have a billion guys. Some are a little bit leaner. But, you know, obviously, in my opinion, the more the merrier. So bottom line is there may be at least one more hire coming. But why don't we take a break and um, talk a little bit about our new inside linebackers coach. So first and foremost, linebackers coach Anthony Campanile. He is officially the linebackers coach slash run game coordinator. So what I what I really like about this is, and we'll, we'll get into him a little bit more here. There's a couple things. <laughs> I can't wait to get to the best part. I want to just say it, but it's like, no, just just, just slow roll it, man. I, I just want to go check uh, Google Voice and see if a certain somebody has already called in screaming. But what I like about this is we have two defensive line coaches 
And we have Anthony Campanile, who is a linebacker slash run game coordinator. So he's he's handling the run game. So we kind of have like three guys focused on making sure the defensive line works right. We got our pass rush specialist, who has now become the defensive line coach. We have an assistant to the pass rush specialist defensive line coach. And we got a run game coordinator. I just want the defensive line to be awesome. And having like three guys specifically working on that defensive line. You know, I mean, and, and you know, obviously Campanile's working. His run game is is everybody on the team, but especially defensive line and linebacker. So I don't know, man. It just gets me fired up. But uh, let's go through uh, Campanile a little bit here. He is 41 years old, and the most important tidbit we we had Jersey Mike call in and talk about. He's excited about a new defensive coordinator. Why? Because Halfley is from Montvale, New Jersey. Anthony Campanile is from Fairlawn, New Jersey. So we got a bunch of Jersey boys running our defense. Now, Jersey Mike is going to be in freaking heaven. He is going to lose his freaking mind to find out that it's just a bunch of Jersey boys, just a bunch of pissed off Jersey boys <laughs> running this defense. I don't know. I'm excited about it. But yeah, he's from uh, Fairlawn, New Jersey. Started off at Fairlawn High School as a linebackers coach there for one year and then became defensive coordinator of Don Bosco Prep, which is a pretty well-known school, then was the offensive coordinator for Don Bosco Prep before becoming defensive assistant for Rutgers. Did that for just two years, then tight ends coach for Rutgers, then wide receivers coach for Rutgers, and then DB coach for Boston College. Now, this is well before Jeff Halfley's time. This is 2016-2017. And then co-defensive coordinator slash defensive backs coach in 2018, again, still before Halfley's time. Then was the Michigan linebackers coach before becoming the Miami Dolphins linebackers coach from 2020 to 2023. So, I mean, 41 years old is still relatively young, and it's a pretty straight-up line, especially considering he took such a weird path. The fact that he went from high school to really good high school to college, and then is going back and forth between defense and offense, again, defensive assistant, tight ends, wide receivers, and then goes to Boston College as the DB coach, does that for a long time, and then jumps to linebackers in Michigan, does it for one year, and is a linebacker's coach for the Dolphins. Like It's just, it's really an interesting path. So he has had one year of experience as a linebacker's coach at Michigan. And as far, I'm sure there's a tie somewhere, but as far as I can tell, I don't know how he got the job in Miami. So in 2020, Miami did switch defensive coordinators. So Flores was there from 2019 and 2020. So it wasn't a head coaching change, but Flores did switch defensive coordinators. He brought in Josh Boyer. Josh Boyer was with the New England Patriots forever, especially as a, as a cornerbacks and DB coach. So it's not like he worked with the guy at any point ever, but he got the Miami gig, did it for three years, and then Halfley brings him over. So, I mean, he, it's, I like it because he's got a reputation. I don't really see any connection between Halfley and Campanile. I don't know how he got the job at Michigan or Miami or any of these jobs. I mean, how does a wide receivers coach from Rutgers get a DB coaching job for Boston College and then in two years becomes the defensive coordinator? And then a co-defensive coordinator slash DB coach gets the linebackers job for Michigan. How does that happen? And then after one year, Miami picks him up to be their linebackers coach? And then Halfley, who has really no strong affiliation, obviously they know each other, but he gets picked up there to be our linebackers coach and run game coordinator. Like, it's just, it's one of those things where when you look at it, it's like, this guy has a really good reputation. Like, just period. Now, remember, Miami has a big overhaul going on, right? Miami let Fangio go. Fangio went to the Eagles. They got the the uh, 
Baltimore Ravens guy, Weaver, I think it is, going over to Miami. And they brought in Joe Barry to be the linebackers coach, which makes sense to me. I mean, also run game coordinator, which is a little bit funny, but who knows? Maybe they'll be fine. Certainly has a lot less to focus on as just the run game coordinator. And I don't know if Camp and I'll took this job and then Joe Barry came in to fill it, or if they brought in Barry and then he was out on the street and we picked him up. I'm not exactly sure. Actually, you know what? I might have lied because I think Halfley was at Rutgers. There's always something. He was at Rutgers in 2011, Campanile in 2011. Nope, he was at Don Bosco. So again, like they 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 kind of have been through similar circles. He was with Shiano at Rutgers, both of them were, but just at different times. They were both at Boston College just at different times. By the way, uh, Campanile was a safety and linebacker at Rutgers. He was actually a part of Greg Shiano's first recruiting class. Uh, some of the notes coming out of uh, Silverstein's article about him says Campanile interviewed for the Giants defensive coordinator position and was pursued by the Philadelphia Eagles for the position on Vic Fangio's staff. Obviously, that would just be a, a lateral move there. And it says highlighting his respect within the coaching community. So he was a well sought after guy. I would love to know what the uh, the sales pitch was to get him to come to Green Bay. It seems like Philadelphia Eagles would just make a lot of sense to just work straight with uh, with Vic Fangio again. But I, I just wonder if. Maybe just Halfley has that much pull. I don't know. That would be a really interesting question. I mean, especially if you got a bunch of teams around the league trying to trying to trying to come get you. I don't know. But it says he's known for bringing his energy to his coaching roles. Campanile's approach aligns with Matt Lafleur's desire for more energy on defense. We've already heard that about Ogabasi. It's it's a very young, energetic group, and I think that's kind of cool. And again, this stuff only lasts so long, right? The rah rah thing, the biting kneecaps thing. You know, it's it's great, and it can really do a lot of good. But if you're losing, if it's not working, if it's not translating, people don't believe it anymore. And you can scream and rant and rave and do all that stuff all you want and give inspiring speeches. People are just going to roll their eyes. So I love it. I think it's a great plan, but it has to come together. But it says, as part of transitioning to a 4-3 defense, Campanile will oversee the three linebackers in the base defense and coordinate the run scheme. His hiring is pivotal for, for the Packers as they adjust their defensive strategy, emphasizing a change in roles, but not necessarily requiring an overhaul of personnel. Campanile's experience and coaching style will play a significant role in uh, directing change in how linemen and linebackers are positioned, as well as in gap coverage and pass rush strategies. Also, interesting note, Isaiah McDuffie, a potential key player for the Packers, which I think we're all getting kind of excited about, played for Halfley at Boston College. And of course, we can't get away from it without playing this little speech here. Again, it's always fun to play these no matter what. But um, here is, and, and I, it's funny because I knew before I even looked it up, I could just hear him talk and just having heard Jersey Mike so many times, I'm like, I don't think that's New York and I don't think that's Philly. I think this is Jersey. Like this sounds like Jersey Mike, but this has been passed around a lot. You probably heard it. If you haven't, please enjoy. Here is your new linebackers coach and I'm going to have to go back and edit a lot of this. I'm going to try and read this. I went to first grade twice, so I'm going to try and read this right. But imagine for a moment, if you can, a man running down the street with all your worldly possessions. Taking from you everyone that you have ever loved and everything that you hold dear. I guarantee you will find a way, by any means necessary, to stop that man. That very simply put is pursuit. That's football at its best. By the way, that quote was Vince Lombardi, just throwing that out there. That's us at our best. You're at your best when you're doing things for people you love. All the time you practice, all the time you spend away from the people you love, okay? 
Our job is on Sunday, literally, to honor those people. That's it. That's our job. Go out there and honor the people you love. Play as f***ing hard as you can. Attack the f***ing ball like it's some guy running down the street with your mother, your father. I don't I don't know who the... My kids, whatever. Like, that will make me out of my f***ing mind. There ain't no f***ing way that guy's getting away from me. And there certainly ain't anybody getting in my f***ing path to block me, to stop me from bringing them back in my life. That ain't gonna f***ing happen, okay? But if you treat it like that all the time, you f***ing practice like that, you commit to practicing like that with each other, you're f***ing unstoppable. Don't know who the f*** is gonna stop you from doing what you wanna do. Everybody understands okay? I can go to Greece and somebody start getting their f***ing whooped. We all understand what's happening, okay? We're all speaking the same language, right? We might not be able to communicate, but if somebody getting their kicked, Nothing's lost in translation, okay? All over the world, they speak okay? To the day you die, okay? So here's what I'm saying. Let's eliminate that factor. They can't outwork you. Eliminate that, and let's see what the f*** happens. Let the chips fall where they met, okay? Let's all just commit to each other. That's what we're going to do. Don't stop throwing punches. Don't stop attacking the ball. Don't f***ing stop finishing blocks, and then we'll see what happens, all right? Love you guys. Let's go have a great f***ing practice. So there he is, Jersey Mike officially on the staff. Sorry if I missed any uh, bleeps there. I did my best trying to catch every single one. It was like every other word. So here's something else to understand about Campanile after doing just a real quick, a little bit more digging before we get out of here. Um, the more you kind of look around, it was the same with uh, Christian Parker. I'm just trying to get a sense of his his reputation among Dolphins fans and whatnot. What I've come to realize is Campanile was that dude. In other words, when they moved on uh, from Fangio, there was a lot of talk about who the next coordinator was going to be, and if it was going to be somebody from the inside, it was going to be Campanile. And apparently, he was turned down for this once before. So they were looking for a new DC, Campanile wanted to be the guy, and they went in a different direction. They went with Fangio. Now Fangio's out, he again raises his hand and is turned down. So, for example, here's a tweet just from a Dolphins fan. He, He quote tweeted, a different article, but then says, if the fan, if the Finns, like Dolphins, liked any of these coaches they've spoke to more than Anthony Campanile, yet waited ungodly amount of days to sign them, then they're horribly ran. That's why I feel it was always going to be Campanile, at least I hope so. So what he's talking about is a lot of coaches are getting hired away. They're starting to get jobs. This is about the Seahawks hiring for Leslie Frazier as their assistant head coach, whatever. But the point is, all these guys are getting hired, and he's saying, bro, if you like these coaches more than Campanile, you need to do it, but they haven't done it, so I'm hoping that they're going to hire Campanile. That was on February 2nd. You got Michael Rodney, who commented on it. Anthony Campanile coached at BC two years before Halfley arrived. It's believed he left the Dolphins after being passed over for DC for the second year in a row. So he was disgruntled. He wanted the DC job. They went in a different direction twice. He said, screw you, I'm leaving. So, and, and listen, this is going to be the unfortunate reality. I mean, it, it feels like they're building kind of a super team, which is great, but these are young, hungry guys that are looking to grow, right? Our assistant defensive line coach is either going to be promoted within a year, assuming the defense comes together, or he will get a D-line coach in the NFL somewhere else. You know, our linebackers coach slash defensive line coach, he is hungry for a, D, for a DC job. And he got passed over twice, so he's moving on to a different place with a different opportunity. Again, hoping to build this super team defense over here. And, you know, you get this defense humming to a top five, which would be fantastic. You got to start worrying about who's leaving. 
and our linebackers coach could become a defensive coordinator. We might lose our assistant defensive line coach to be a unless we move on from Rebrovich, or maybe because we lost our linebackers coach, he can get promoted to defensive line, whatever. But the point is, everybody's going to want to move up, which is fine. I mean, that happens. I mean, the 49ers have been in that situation for a while, and everybody keeps getting hired away, but you know what? They keep it running. The, the benefit, I think, and, and we'll see, is that Halfley's going to be looking for head coaching jobs, and I don't know how likely he is to get it. It's hard to get a head coaching job as a, de- as a defensive coordinator. It does happen. We've seen it several places, but it's a little bit harder than an offensive guy. And again, I think you kind of look back at the Boston College thing, which is different, and maybe it's unfair to use that as, as, a, as a standard, but I mean, he had a head, co- head coaching role and he didn't do well. So I'm hoping that kind of keeps him confined to being a DC here in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and making sure that, you know, as guys get promoted, which good for them, we can keep bringing in that new young talent to come in and keep this thing rocking. But uh, yeah, we've just been grabbing some guys, man. I mean, and again, Campanile is another one. So you got Halfley where it's like, I don't, this is unusual. We're we're capitalizing on an unusual situation. Ogabasi is the same thing. Very unusual to have a guy that is, you know, a D-line coach, really talented, really young, to jump into the NFL and go back to being an assistant D-line coach like he was several years ago for San Francisco. We got him essentially to take a demotion because he believes that something's being built here. Great. They believe in Halfley. Then you get a disgruntled linebacker coach who didn't get the D.C. job two years in a row, says, screw this, and where does he go? Green Bay. Why? No idea. No idea. Why didn't he follow Fangio? He could have gone anywhere. You go to this place with a guy that you don't know, building a, 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 some hybrid college defense in the NFL? Like, what, what are we doing? So I think we're in a really cool situation where we get guys that it's it's unlikely that they would have come here, right? I mean, that's JJ's talked about that. We, he just posted his video on, on YouTube. And man, if there's, if there's any questions still about Halfley after uh, Clayton and myself and JJ have talked about him pretty extensively, um, I'll have to ask in the Patreon to see, but I feel like it's been covered from top to bottom. But one of the things he says is, essentially, it would have been at the top of his list if you'd bothered putting him on the list, but he never thought Halfley would even be available. If anything, he's looking to make a jump to a head coaching job in the NFL, not going back to being a DC. But here we are. So we've got a great rare opportunity. We've got a bunch of guys that are here that are overqualified for their jobs, in my opinion, that may not be here very long. But you know what? If they can come together and they can build a freaking monster here, I'm fine with it. And we'll take advantage of it while we can. And we'll try to we'll try to keep it running while it's, you know, as people leave. But let's just get there and we'll cross that second problem bridge when 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 we come to it. But any who's what's it, that's all I got for you. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you, well, we'll see about the calls, but tonight, tomorrow, whatever, have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>